if you're here, perhaps you're watching us first time, maybe you're visiting, you haven't been here uh, before, you may be thinking, well, why are you spending all this time talking about the Bible, looking at it, seeing these deep truths of Scripture? Why do you think the Bible's so important? Well, we think it's important because we believe there's something special about God's Word. There are a lot of great books out there. There are some books that can really capture your imagination. Um, I really enjoy the Chronicles of Narnia books, great adventure stories that you can get wrapped up and lost in that world. There's some books that paint a very real picture of the human struggle, whether it's a truth that's actually happening or even if it's fictional. I really enjoy Charles Dickens' book of Tale of Two Cities and just the struggle it is to live and make right decisions in a very complicated world. There are wise books that help us in life. You may find great books about marriage. Uh, I know Christine and I read some as we were preparing to get married. Now we're trying to read books on parenting and learning how to do that. There may be books that help you learn how to manage your finances or what that looks like in your life. There's a lot of great books in the world, but there is no book quite like this one. But why? What makes it special? Well, our passage today will tell us. Our passage in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, shows us we don't need anything else. We shouldn't go to anything else. There's not another book, another resource that we need. We have a better word right here. So if you're not already there, I encourage you to turn to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. It will also be up on the screen. And I know we just said it together, but if you could, please stand to honor the reading of God's word and follow along as I read our passage for today. This is Hebrews 4, verses 12 and 13. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. The author says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this truth that you have given us in Scripture, this living, acting, active, piercing word that reveals you, that reveals your your son, Jesus, that shows us how to know him. I pray, God, that you would build its truths deep in our hearts because, yes, we must give an account, but also because you are so worthy and you have loved us so much to give us this word. As we talk about it today, may we see how it points to you and how it points to the person and work of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. You may be seated. As a way of reminder, we're in the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews. This is a letter that's written to Jewish background believers. These were Hebrew people. They had practiced Judaism, but now they've come to faith in Christ. And this unknown author has written them a sermon, telling them what it looks like to follow Jesus. And the reason he did this is because there were some among them who wanted to go back to Judaism. Christianity was too hard, too difficult. They wanted to go back to what they were used to, back to their old way of life back to things they understood, like priests and sacrifices. But our author says if they do that, you're actually moving away from God's word. And his message to them is Jesus and his word is better 
than what you had before. He's been particularly showing them this in chapter 3 and chapter 4. The last couple weeks we've looked at this. He's looked at an Old Testament passage. In this case, it was Psalm 95. A couple verses there. And he's applying it to them. He's preaching that text to them. He's given it as a warning against fake faith and falling short of God's kingdom. And he's also spoken about how they can enter God's rest. And now here, in these two verses, he's going to pause a little bit to celebrate God's word, explain why they should be listening to it, and tell them why and how they can know God through his word. As our text told us, and we just read it, it said God's word is living, for the word of God is living. God's word is alive. It is a living book about a living person. If you're using the outline that's your first blank, God's word is living. This isn't a dead, boring book, but it's truly a force to be reckoned with. As the prophet Isaiah says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. This word reveals who God is and shows us what he has done for us. His word is the only place on earth God is fully revealed enough to know him. One theologian named John Frame, he wrote, whenever God's word is spoken, read, or heard, God himself is there. When we read this book, we know God. We understand who he is. And we see something interesting. We see God as more awesome, more wonderful, more amazing, and sometimes stranger than we could have possibly imagined. That's what's so special about this book, because it's good to be surprised as we read it. Reading this book should sometimes make us uncomfortable because its truths are God's truths, and it exposes where we have wrong ideas, wrong thoughts, wrong perspectives, where we're living differently than God is, and we're thinking differently. And as we read this book, we learn who God is and discover what he's like, even if it's not what we expected. And this is something that should make sense to us. If we have a friend someone who's living, particularly if we're married and have a spouse, you may know this person for years, but still, things pop up that surprise you about them. You learn about some interest they had or some story from their past that you didn't know about. There's always these little things you discover and you learn more about a living person. Well, in the same way, this is a living book. As we read the Bible, we learn more about God, a living person. We see him as he really is not as we might want him to be, but as he is. As Peter replied to Jesus, Jesus asked him, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. That is what's found in here. And there's many places in the world that we can see God, we can learn something about him. It's been a couple beautiful fall days. It's been a little cold, but it's going to warm up this week. You can go out, you can look at the leaves, you can enjoy nature, and you can say, wow, what a great God did this. But you cannot learn exactly who God is just from that. We need his word to understand who he is. It's not that there's something particularly special about this binding or this, this paper. There's nothing unique about that. Other books could be put together like this. Message on these pages is God communicating Himself to us. It's how we know Him. I said a second ago about how this living word is like how you know a person, you learn more about them, but there's also a little bit of 
a difference because if somebody's gone, then we can't really know them. You guys know I like to quote the British pastor Charles Spurgeon. And so I can read his sermons, I can quote him all the time, but you know what? I'll never meet him this side of, of earth. And if somebody's gone, you won't meet them, even if you read what they said. But what's different about the Bible is when you read God's word, you meet God. You can know him through what he has written. You cannot even have a relationship with him if you don't value his words. You cannot know Jesus without the truths that are in here. Reading a Bible is not a spiritual box to check. It's not, I need to read a certain amount so I get let into heaven. No, if we're reading rightly, this can be an encounter with the ruler of the universe. This is a book you will never outgrow because you'll discover more about its author each time you open its pages. And best of all, this is a living book because in it we find life. The life in God's word gives us life. Without God and his word and truth, we are dead. But in this word, we find a better salvation than we could see anywhere else. In the book of Deuteronomy, it says, And he and God humbled you, let you hunger. He fed you with special food, manna, which you did not know, your, nor your fathers know that he might make you know man does not live by bread alone. Man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. We live by God's word. It is what saves us. First Peter says, you have been born again saved, not of a perishable seed, but of something imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. It is his word that saves, that brings life that calls us to him that draws us to christ we talk a lot here about having god conversations sharing truth with others and encourage people to share the gospel but what we also try to remind you is that it's not what we say that makes people come to faith you and i cannot save anyone what saves people is god working in their hearts through his word it's a living word but not only that God's word is also active, is active. Other translations may have something like effective or powerful or energetic. It's active, particularly that translation, effective, is really good. God's word does something. The Bible isn't just a word. It's not just words on a page, a book we read. But the Bible actually does something in the lives of those who read it. If you read this book with an open heart, expecting to hear from God and know him, then this book its words will change you now you can just open it and read it like any other book but if you approach it with the attitude i want to hear from god i'm open to him changing me through his word then it will happen this word carries out god's purposes god speaks and things happen if we go way back to the very beginning in the bible in the book of genesis god speaks he uses his word and creation comes into existence and today, his word that he has spoken still does his will. Prophet Isaiah also says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, they do not return there, but they water the earth. They make it bring forth and sprout. They give seed to the sower, bread to the eater. So shall my word, God saying, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. 
It's God's voice, His Word. When God speaks, when He gives His Word, it does something in the lives of those it encounters. It accomplishes God's purpose according to His timing. God has used His Word to change the world. Part of the reason why we're even here gathered in a church that's not a Catholic church is because of reformers, those who looked at God's Word and spoke on, this is what we need to talk about. Probably the the most well-known of them is Martin Luther. Luther spoke, no, the Catholic Church is getting some things wrong. This is what God's Word says. He was instrumental in starting the Protestant church that in some ways ours falls under today. We wouldn't be here without people like that. He did a lot to make this happen. But what did Luther say about it? He said, I did nothing. The Word, God's Word, did everything. And what is it that the Bible is actually doing? What is this work that God does through His Word? Well, let me give you a couple examples. His word is active. It's effective in judgment against non-believers, those who don't know God. In the book of Jeremiah, it says, Is not my word like a fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks rocks in pieces. God's word judges. It condemns sin and rebellion against him. It says, This is wrong, and this deserves God's judgment. But God's word is also active to save. It convicts us of sin. It brings us into a right relationship with Jesus. I'll talk more about that in a few minutes. God's Word is also active to do something in the lives of people who know Him. It makes us more like Jesus. The book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes and says, We thank God constantly for this, that when you, this church, when you received the Word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the Word of men, but as what it really is, the Word of God. And look what he says, that Word is at work in you believers. God's Word works in the lives of those who know Him. It changes us. It makes us like Christ. It grows us. It convicts us. It encourages us. It gives us wisdom. It reveals truth to us. A well-known passage of Scripture about this is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says, all Scripture is breathed out by God. And it's profitable, it's good for something. It's good for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Why? That the man or the woman of God may be complete, that we may be equipped for every good work. God's word works in us to make us mature. It brings us to maturity, the understanding God would have of how we are to live and what we are to be like in his sight. God's Word also acts to guide us in our lives. We, we sang a song a few minutes ago that based on this verse, Psalm 119.105, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It shows us where to go. We don't need a magic voice from heaven telling us what we're supposed to do in life. We have God speaking to us right here. As Jesus would say, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. That's God's word and his truth. That's the truth we proclaim here. We say God's word is sufficient. It's all we need to know God, to understand him, to know what it means to be saved and live for him. It's what we need to know about how we are to live. If we want to know, what does God want me to do with my life? We'll do what he says in his word. 
I was reading a quote from a man, uh, Philip Jacob Spenner. So he was a German uh, theologian and pastor. And he said, the more at home the word of God is among us, the more we shall bring about faith and its fruits. To put it another way, the more we know the Bible, the more it's seeped into our lives and we think in its terms, we think as God does, then the greater difference God will make in our life. The more we will have faith in him, the more we'll live the way that he has called us to. Now, let me be clear. There is much wisdom and knowledge that you can find in other places other than the Bible. You can go to school. You can learn about the human body. You can take care of people physically, study medicine. You could study the sciences. You could learn how things work together. You could be an engineer. You could learn to be a teacher. Uh, I was a music teacher. You could learn music theory and about how music fits together. I really enjoy studying history and learning how things happened and came to be. There is much knowledge to be gained in the world that's not in here. But only this book is truly essential because it is active. It is effective to change us and to save us. God's word is active. But most of these verses tell us that God's word is piercing, is piercing. Verse 12 again says, The word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's word is piercing. It is penetrating. It is cutting. If you remember a, a few months ago, we, we've seen some videos, and we actually had them here, a drama ministry uh, that's uh, based out of Lancaster. They are called Piercing Word is their name because every performance they have is just using the language of the Bible. And based off of this verse right here, they're saying God's word pierces to the heart. So they let scripture be their script. In fact, the passage we looked at a few minutes ago also illustrates this. That's 2 Timothy 1, where all scripture is breathed out by God. It's good for teaching. But look at these words I put in italics. It's also good for reproof and for correction. As our passage says, it's sharper than any two or double-edged sword. Talking about not a big sword that you'd see in like a Middle Ages movie or Lord of the Rings or something, not like that, but a short sword for stabbing, for cutting. The word is a sword that cuts at us, at our souls, and makes us closer to God. It shows us what's wrong and what needs to be removed. This idea of God's word as a sword, we see it throughout Scripture. The book of Ephesians talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In the book of Revelation, John sees a heavenly image of Jesus. And when he sees Jesus, in his right hand there are seven stars, and from his mouth, from his words, come a sharp, two-edged sword. Jesus' words, what he says, are like a sword that cuts us. Why this idea of a sword? Because it penetrates the darkest corners of our lives. God's word, when we read it and we're looking for him to change us, it breaks down our surface religion. Our idea of, well, I, I come to church and I may pray here and there, but before meals or when I really need something. No, God's word breaks us down, cuts through to the spiritual reality of what's happening on the inside. There is nothing that the truth of God's word cannot reach. As our text said, it discerns, it judges, it exposes our thoughts, the intentions, the attitudes of our heart. 
It cuts in us so we can see what our true desires are. In this, we're, we're seeing the other side of God's Word. I spoke about before, God's Word shows us who God is. If we want to know God, what He's like, we read His Word. We see this is what God's like. This is how He acts. But the Bible does something else. It not only shows us who God is, it shows us who we are. It cuts into our heart and shows what do I live for? What do I make my decisions about? If we humble ourselves, the Word will teach us what is really going on in our hearts. Because we lie to ourselves. We tell ourselves, I always have the best intentions. Every decision I made, I know I was doing the right thing. But when we read His Word, we see, oh, actually, I, I, I don't, well, didn't make the right decision there. Actually, I was living in sin, something that I wanted, or I was making a decision because it was what was right for me, not right for someone else. It exposes our pride, our selfishness. It rebukes and exposes sin. The Word can kill our sin. It shows us what our sin is, and, and we realize, wow, I need that out of my life. We can try to make changes to our life from the outside, but only God's Word can truly change our hearts. The Scholar Al Mohler said, Scripture's like a scalpel. It's wielded by God to perform spiritual surgery. That's this idea with the sword. Not, you know, hacking and slashing enemies, which, yes, the Bible can do that, but particularly cutting and shaping us in our hearts. The book of Acts, we see this in action. Peter had read from the Old Testament. He'd preached, he'd spoken to crowds on the day of Pentecost. And this is what happened. When they heard what he said, they were cut to the heart. They said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? They realized that they were wrong, that they weren't right with God. And because Peter had let God's word do the talking, he could now say to them, repent, turn from sin, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God's word cut their hearts, and then Peter could share, this is how you get right with God. The word had exposed their failures and their need for a savior. Verse 13 also adds to this idea of piercing by talking about how God's word exposes us to God. We read, no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him. No creature, nothing in all of creation is hidden from God. Nothing really happens in secret. You may go alone, be alone in your room, but you are really not alone. God sees and he knows. He always sees. And that makes us naked, exposed, uncovered. We're laid bare before him. That, that doesn't mean something wrong about God. It's just saying that we are vulnerable before God. He sees and knows everything about us. The book of Job puts it this way. His eyes are on the way of a man. He sees all his steps. Or you could read it in the Psalms. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashioned made their hearts of them all. He observes all their deeds. So God sees what we do, and his Bible, the Word, acts like his eyes because we can see oh, that thing I did wrong, that wrong thought I had, God said that was wrong. God saw that. He knew. 
we realize, oh, God is actually seeing what I'm doing. He actually cares about what I think and what I do. He knows the true condition of my heart and my mind. But there's good news in that. The good news is, that means there's no point in us hiding our sin or our failures from God. We don't have to cover things up. God sees them. He knows them. And so we can find grace and forgiveness in that honesty. God, I know that you know I did this wrong thing. I turn from that and I seek you. And there's even more hope in this. God, who sees and knows everything about you, everything you've ever did, everything you ever thought, he saw all that and he hasn't turned away. He sees who you are and what you've done, and yet he still chooses to love his people. He still chooses to show grace to us. He still gave us his word, even though he knows everything about us. Why did he do that? Why did he give us this word, the Bible, at all? Well, the very last part of our passage tells us, because we will give an account. We will give an account. Verse 13 again, No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. We need to know God's word because we'll be held accountable for what it says. We will answer to God. Remember the overall context of what's happening here. These verses are ones that we sometimes like to quote, but it fits into what the author is doing. Remember, he read an Old Testament passage, and he said, this passage is giving you a warning, Hebrew people I'm writing to. It's telling you you shouldn't be like the Israelites who lived in fake faith and failed to enter God's rest. Remember, it's, it's a warning. Their fake faith kept them out of the rest that God had promised them. And in the same way, God sees our faithlessness, our disobedience, and his word says there is a judgment for that. If we're guilty of sin, we cannot hide because God sees us as we really are. He writes to a church in the book of Revelation, you say I am rich and I have prospered and that I need nothing, not realizing that in God's sight you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. We can doubt God's word and his truth, even as we proclaim, I know God, but we can still doubt who he is. So what should we do instead? Well, instead we should know the God of this book. We should know his word. And the way we do that is by taking time to spend time with it, by reading the Bible, finding out who God is. And not just reading it just to read it like we may any other book, but reading it with a desire for it to change us, studying it to really know what it says, and then applying it to our lives. This is what it says. This is something that needs to happen in my life. Scholar George Guthrie said, a Bible at hand does not necessarily mean an incorporation of biblical truth into one's life. You get no benefit for how many copies of the Bible you have in your home. That's not going to be a question they ask you there. I would go so far as to say, even you don't necessarily, hear the way I'm phrasing this, you don't necessarily get a benefit just from reading it. They're not going to ask you how many times you read the Bible. The Bible does reveal who God is. It's how we know Him, how we grow in our relationship with Him. It's important to make it a part of our lives. Now this idea of, I need to know the Bible, God will hold me accountable, that, that can sound real intimidating. But if we know Him and have a relationship with Him, 
Remember, it's his communication to us, the one who loves us and sees us. And maybe if you want it as part of your life, you can start small. Maybe if, you, if you're not reading any of the Bible at all, why don't you try this week maybe reading a verse from the Bible? One day this week. Try that. Start that. If you're doing that, maybe try a couple days. Maybe try to read one chapter of the Bible this week. They're not huge. It's not like 20-page chapters. Most of the time, it's, it's half a page or one whole page in a book like this. Just try it once a week, reading one part of it. And if you're doing that, you think, hey, that, that's going all right. Or I'm going to try to do that. Maybe try two days or three or, or, or four. Take the time to read God's Word. Build it up so that it becomes a daily thing. It may sound really hard. You think, I, I can't read the Bible every day. That, that, that's too much, Pastor John. Okay, start small. Start with two days and see how that goes for a while. It's not a, you have to jump right to the end. This is an opportunity for you to know God, to read His Word. Maybe if you're reading it regularly, maybe try memorizing a verse or something in there that you think is, has a great impact on your life. God's Word is how we know God and how we know Jesus who he has sent. Because probably the most important thing his word tells us is about how we can have a relationship with him. As the book of Romans says, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the main message that runs through this book. Yes, God has told us who he is and how he expects us to live, but we fall short of that all the time. And in the face of falling short, of being separated from him, earning his judgment, there is still hope for us. Because while we were sinners, he sent his son to die on our behalf, to make a way for us to know him. So that if we repent, if we turn away from how we've rebelled against God, if we believe in him, then we can have a relationship with him. So let me ask you, do you know this person? Do you know this God, this one of this living active word. If you don't, then read this book because you'll meet him here.